This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com slash ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com slash ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal, but I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 393, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast. This is episode 393. I am Josh Flanagan. I'm here with Paul Montgomery. Hello. And Connor is not here. So we got, we got, it's a lot better to be honest with you. We got Ryan Haupt. 
Howdy. I, I got a beer, so I'm ready to replace Connor. Oh, how many are you in? Because just one. I'm just. I started one just for the show. This is a special show only beer. Yeah, anybody lose any appendages over this holiday break? I'm down a thumb. I'm hoping that won't be a thing. But uh, hitchhiking already a problem. I got some frostbite, but that was only because there was snow. That's awesome. I would. Yeah. Ki- I would have killed for snow. It was very cold. It was really cold snow. Like it. It felt like it was even colder than snow normally is. Yeah. But maybe that's because it's July. Somebody stole the flag off my lawn. I had the little, you know, the flag and the thing. Really? And they took it. I mean, not, not like a huge, like, Bill the Butcher kind of, like, you know, wrap around yourself kind of flag. But, you know, one of the little things. And I guess they took it for their... Well, they're just that patriotic. Their patriotic festivities, yeah. Whoops, so. couldn't Daisy. resist. <laughs> I've had Bill the Butcher in my head for, like, a week since you typed that. <laughs> that's my favorite shot in that whole movie. I know. The mad at your mouth all glued up with anyway then he says a dirty word ifanboy.com is our website it's about comic books which up until this point you may have had no idea about if you just <laughs> started listening uh we read comics uh everyone every week we read a lot of them collectively and individually except it wasn't too many this week uh we pick one of us picks the one that is the best that they read that week they write up about it on the website that's the pick of the week we're gonna be talking about that uh, issue, and we're going to be talking about the other books from the week and and some other some other stuff. Uh, and hopefully, our 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 hope is that it is both thoughtful, informative, and entertaining. It's it's a lot to go for. Uh, before we get going, if you haven't read your books yet, uh, you should be warned that we're going to be talking about the stuff that happened in them. So there will be spoilers. So uh, you know, sack up. Let's just don't worry about it. Let's just roll. You know what I'm saying, Paul? I had a pick you, this week. I did. did. Previously on iFanboy. Oh man, all the books came out this week. This is crazy. What's going to come out next week? Uh, yeah, it was an interesting mix of books this week. And um, I kind of went in uh, not knowing what the hell I would pick. Um, but I went with Satellite Sam number one, which was a very pleasant surprise. Um, it's by Matt Fraction and Howard Shaken. And uh, we talk about the good and the bad Shaken. This is great Shaken. Uh, I thought, at least. And this is, a, this is a black and white book. It's set in 1951, and uh, it's about live television broadcasting, production, uh, smut, murder, all those great things that we love around here. I'm sure you did some TV production classes. I, I, yeah, I Had did. some fun did. with that. I did all the same ones. Did so you I work can actually... on, like, Shop Till You Drop? I did. You did? I did. I was the prize coordinator on Shop Till You Drop. I built the boxes. So, so, I mean, I don't know if, if you had the same experience, but for me, I, I, I took a TV production class in college as part of my major, and, and uh, it, uh, it, it freaked me out. <laughs> it got me very anxious, and I kind of had, had some night terrors with this um, because what, what Fraction uh, captures so well with this script, and it's something that he's been doing with the rhythm in, in Hawkeye. He does this, this, there's this great patter, this great rhythm, and this great energy to the dialogue, and it's a lot of overlapping stuff. And sometimes you see the same word balloons repeated because it's the, those words being said in the booth and then those words being yeah. heard on the, on the stage. And this is a, a 1951, a, like a sci-fi, kind of a Flash Gordon kind of show called Satellite Sam. And this is, I guess it's it's mostly real time, um, this issue, and it's a, uh, 3.45 in the afternoon, and it's the Satellite Sam show, and I guess it's a 15-minute show, um, and, they, and they're missing their main actor. They're missing Satellite Sam, who's this, this older gentleman named Carlisle White, and uh, his son happens to work in the booth, 
and I guess he's, he's some kind of technician. He goes into the, the grid and replaces some light bulbs and stuff. And um, I just, I really love the way he captured what it's like, the intensity of having to produce a live show and having to kind of improvise when things go wrong, having to go up and replace those light bulbs and shit, 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 walking along the grid and trying to And also, you know, it was new at this time. Yeah. So although while a lot of the stuff that you're talking about, ready camera one, take camera one, that stuff, I mean, I, I was taught that. Like I did all that stuff too. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, that's mm-hmm. all the same, but you got like every, everything else they're kind of making up as they go along. And, and it's, it's these, you know, men in suits uh, you know, th- this weird vibe and, and they're, everybody looks really professional, but you know, they're all just kids that don't really know what they're doing because it, it's new and they're trying to get by and there's huge stakes because they're, you know, there are three channels, you know, I mean, now you can do a show on cable and, eh. you know, if you're on, if you're on TV, then it was a really big deal. And it was yeah. sort of the, the beginning of the whole thing. I, um, I was super impressed by this for lots of reasons. Um, and the, the, I think the most of which I've never read a comic book like this. I never read one that felt like this and had this kind of pacing. This felt like watching an episode of the newsroom when they sort of kick in and get going, but with sure, a yeah. with a, a sort of um, with a vintage vibe to it at the same time. And I just I was super impressed that I that that feeling and that pattern that you're talking about this this constant motion. And he didn't explain anything. I was like, thank God I have experience in this because otherwise I, I wouldn't know what half these words were supposed to be for. Or, I was you know, a little lost. I could, I can see that, but I, I kind of always, I appreciate that when I understand it, and I don't when I don't. So it's, it's subjective, definitely. Um, but you know, definitely another sort of step forward in the, in the, in the Matt Fraction uh, um, bag of tricks that he's got. Um, I've never read anything like this. And I think that was the thing that impressed me the most. It was a different comic book. Yeah, I was, you know, I wasn't in my head. I wasn't like, this is, I wasn't thinking this is a contender for the pick of the week when I, when I first picked it up, I was like, okay, it's yeah. a new fraction thing. I'm going to check it out. And with, with fraction, it's, it's kind of hit or miss for me. There's things I really, really like a lot like Hawkeye. And then there's things that just, just totally don't work for me. Well, um, that, I, the more, the more that happens, the more I think that's a good sign of a good creator. It, it, ha- it has to be said, you know, because they're they're doing different things. And he's, I'm just I'm I'm very impressed though that he's he's doing these very specific things that you um, it's <laughs> it's 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 really going to 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 work for you if you're on that wavelength. I don't I, don't, I honestly don't don't believe that there is a large enough audience for this particular problem. Yeah. I can't imagine. Well, Ryan, you said you were you were a little bit lost with this. Did was to the detriment of the book, or did you catch up with it, or did it never win you over? By the end, uh, I felt like I at least knew the thread of the story. Okay. But those first, I think, I think the problem was, maybe problem's the wrong word, but it just, it drops you right in the middle of it, which is nice because there's, it's quick and it's snappy like you guys have been saying. But those first few pages are so dense and jargony that I did get a little lost and uh, it, it took me a while to feel like I'd caught back up. I would say the moment where the book clicked for me was when the guy is replacing the light bulb. I love that scene. That because scene was wonderful. Yes. Showing, it's showing the guy doing the advertisement for like the cream of wheat. And you see there's this little sound effect that just says pop. And you, and you don't know where it comes from or why. 
And then they show on the next page that the guy's replacing the light bulb and he drops it and you see the light bulb break and create the pop that you just saw on the previous page. And that was when I was like, oh, okay, I get what this is now. This is this is really cool. Yeah, there's overlapping stuff and, and yep. it gives you new context. And you I can, liked it. And so that and, yeah. so then I kind of actually kind of went back to the beginning of the issue and said, let's try this again and and it got a lot more out of it that second time. Yeah, but it's it's I just think it's cool. It's like it's like multi-layered. There's there's so many different things going on and from different directions. And we did um, uh, the best panels of the week this week. And I chose the, the full page where um, Carlisle White never shows up because he's dead. That's the thing. Um, and his son, Mikey, uh, who's uh, uh, hitting the sauce a lot. Um, that's what we know about him so far. Um, and he's the guy who re- was replacing those light bulbs. Um, he's like, you're the one of the guys comes up to him and says, you're, you're kind of your dad's size and you could fit into the spacesuit, right? And it's just one line at the end. And, and they push them out and you don't see it from like the audience's perspective or from the camera's perspective. You see it from like the, the background grips kind of perspective as they're like pushing them out. The lighting the- on that page yeah. is, is fantastic. This, this is black and white. I don't know if we mentioned this, um, but the, the way that they achieve the depth and the lighting on that, it's, it's really impressive. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just staring at it right now. Like I it's, love the it's aesthetic. So well of, done. I love the aesthetic of the book and, and it's, it's great shaken because it's, he's such a great choice for that book because those faces and especially like the, the advertiser or the executives, you know, the, the, the sponsors that they bring in, like they decide we're going to, we're going to bring in, uh, some of these guys who are, who are maybe going to donate some money to us, be sponsors. And it happens to be the worst possible day to bring them in to the production. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of like a signature, like Sorkin pilot thing. It's like, it's the worst possible day and something it, has gone tar- terribly wrong. The way that he draws these clothes throughout, is is super impressive and even the, I, the faces it's almost like yeah. uh like political cartooning mm-hmm. you know and it's um it just these old guys and their, their names like doc and ike and stuff like that and and it's 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 that era and everybody's got a cigarette and um you know it's 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 got that aesthetic of like a lucky strike floating in a you know like a, a tumbler or a, or a mug of coffee or something and and um it is so it's I, I mentioned in the in the review on the site that it's it's very it's very cynical so i mean we mentioned the newsroom and we keep saying sorkin but um it's not romantic or swashbuckling at all it's it's actually very grim and yeah this guy is murdered and uh in this in this flop house and um his son comes in and he finds his box under the mattress, a couple of boxes filled with like boudoir photos. And it's, you know, it's just like, like the Betty page kind of thing of, you know, women in garter belts and stuff and posing. And we don't know, and there's a lot of women and there's a lot of photos and we don't know um, how this guy died. And um, if he was murdered, that's the, that's the suspicion from his son and who did it and where are all these women are any of, are any of them suspects and, um, the cover kind of leads you in that direction as well. The, the cover is also, I mean, I was actually looking at looking at the way that he drew like the underwear, and I'm like, did he do that all by hand? Like he drew all the lacing, lace stitching and stuff. It's yeah. it's really good. I mean, it's like a it's like a doily, you know? It's like it's yeah. that intricate and uh, yeah. It, I mean, and then like like it gets closer together as we hit the shadowing, and and it's just like it's a super sexy cover in like that sort of classic sense and. Uh, and not in the same way that his last book uh, would be considered by some to be sexy. Black Kiss Two it was a bit much, right? <laughs> um, just I, I was I was I was blown away by just how good looking this was. This was this was I've never seen Howard Chaykin stuff that looked this good. I feel like it was like t- now now he, he, don't you have to don't have to draw superheroes for a little while? Just mm. do a thing that you really like to draw. The scene where the uh, where the woman comes out onto the street. 
from New York, mm-hmm. and she's and she's got. Uh, uh, this is kind of um, nostalgic for me. My my late aunt used to work at uh, the original John Wanamaker's, and right behind this woman, there's the John Wanamaker's signature logo. And uh, John Wanamaker's department stores aren't around anymore, but um, that's. Uh, that was just kind of cool to see. And just the way the advertisements and stuff, and you're just, you're, you're, you're coming out of the smoke filled, you know, studio and, and into the hustle and bustle of, of early fifties New York. And it's just such atmosphere. And um, you could almost, you know, hear like the horns honking and yep. you know, it was so I, yeah, I was, I was kind of, I was, I was really blown away by this really pleasantly surprised and um, I'm excited to see where it goes. The other thing that came out sort of last week, sort of this week, but we're going to talk about it now. Yeah. Uh, the, the Private Eye number three, the third issue, digitally distributed uh, from Brian K. Vaughn and um, Marcos Martin. Marcos Martin. The, I have a, I, see, I have a bit of a confession, I think. Uh oh. I don't love this. Really? Okay. Like, I, I like it. I like this issue a lot, actually. Yeah. But, like, after the last one, I was like, eh. so when it came out, I wasn't like, oh, I got to get that immediately. I was like, it's, it's fine. Was it, I don't get you know, super excited for it. Was it, you know, just how how big the fanfare was for the first issue, and we all went kind of crazy over it, and that was a pick of the week, and then the second one came out, and it did. Was it just like more of the same, or just not your particular it, milieu that you find interesting? It, uh, the thing so far is that I'm not particularly uh, enamored with any of the characters because they all have to wear masks, and they all like I don't feel like I really know any of them or what they're going other than there's just a low-grade paranoia because of the world they live in. So I find it, it's anxious for me. Well, here we get, we find out a little bit more about our PI character that his, his mother died a horrible death and it, it all, and would, it related to those masks and the identity stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, there's dream sequences here and it starts on the cover, which is kind of cool that the cover leads directly. It's sort of like the first panel of the book in it. And uh, me and you aren't huge fans of, of dream sequences, but I felt like this was well done and didn't overstay its welcome. Right away. I was like, Oh, dreams. Okay. No, flying naked through the sky. And yeah, it was a page. It was okay. The stuff with his, with his mom and stuff. But, um, but I love the sequence where he and the girl are in his office and, and these, these guys who have broken in last issue, are firing at them, and he says, "You know, go, go limp." And she's like, "Why?" And then he's pushing her through a a window, and and they go, uh, you know, go falling, and and uh, he and he wakes up later. Um, but I just I loved that that sequence and how frantic it is. Um, the choice in the layouts with um, you know, the detail shots of the bullets, and the way we see the bullet graze her ear in profile, it looks like it went through her head. And that choice is important because that's what the bad guys think. They think that they, you know, dealt a headshot there and she's and she's down for the count. But then we find out later that, no, it just it grazed her ear. It didn't go through her skull. So she's so she's OK. So that's a nice surprise. And, that you know, so a, a cool choice in composition there. Good. And, and I, I think we need that when they when I was like, is she dead, too? Come on, let's, you know. Yeah, right. Because her <laughs> sister just died. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, man, that was really fast. But then I was like, oh, I see what they're doing. Um, the French, again, just historically not good shooters. They did blame this one on the masks. So it was a bit of a stormtrooper scenario. There's, uh, there's always an excuse, though. <laughs> the war was not finished. I don't know. They around, though. What are you going to do? Exactly. But, um, the, uh, but you, you mentioned not having a, an entire grasp on the characters. One character I think is really super important is that granddad character. I like him. He's my favorite. He's great because that's, he's us. Yeah. Did well, we see because, all of his tattoos in the first issue? 
all of this. I noticed them. I noticed them a lot in this issue where he's just covered head to toe in tattoos, and they look terrible. Well, we did, yeah. yeah, we did. We did see that in the in the first issue. Not maybe not all of them, and maybe not all. Well, I wasn't titles, here, but... and I didn't get to talk about. Okay, it, so. well, no, no, but that that, that that's you a great see, point. I is presume that... you read the first book. <laughs> It's the, I did, it's, I did. It is the it, that is that character is a commentary on like who we are and what we're going to become. And he's the one who's clinging to his iPhone, which hasn't worked in years. And he, and he just wishes that that would work. And even if he could get it, you know, operable, the cloud doesn't exist anymore because the cloud burst. And so I think that character, maybe even more so than P.I., our, pro, our protagonist, is just really important to whatever commentary that, that Brian K. Vaughn is leveling. And, and he has mentioned even just in prepping this book and and in the uh the back matter that he's not super tech savvy and this is kind of like marcos martin's thing setting it up online he likes the idea of it being digital only and we're never going to see this in print most likely um but he has certain ideas and certain paranoia maybe anxiety about all of the stuff that we're putting out there online and all of the stuff that we're submitting to the cloud and so this is maybe part of the larger picture other than just the plot itself yeah and so that character i think is very interesting and just and you know he he shows up the kid and then afterwards he's and he's like yeah the, you know no thanks for 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 saving your ass again dick and uh and and they're on their way i love the late title card in this issue it was really i, do very I was much like... want to know what's going on with the rocket well, that's the cliffhanger, right? That's the... uh, well, yeah, but I want to know. It, yeah, like, that's... you know, this whether you, whether I feel like whether you like this issue or not, it left you with something that I wanted to come back for next time. Mm-hmm. That's his. That's that's the Brian K. Vaughn move. That's I'm glad he. Just, I'm glad he still got it. And ju- yeah. and just just for the for the other side of the argument, I really like the idea that it's it's all people in masks, and then that that comes into play when they're on the uh, the trolley or whatever, or, or you know, the shuttle. I, and I like the idea staring. of all of it. Yeah, but you know, I, I I can I can see your point that it does. You're at a certain distance from the characters, guess, and yeah, you know, so that that's that's good and bad, you know. Mm. Um, Batman Incorporated number twelve. Oh, we needed to get some more kids killed, and it, <laughs> thank God that uh, at least I don't know if that was a kid, but it had a baby head. Well, it's, he's a he's a he's a petri <laughs> yeah. dish kid, and you know, the Damien's whole... Damien's uh, brother clone or whatever, the yeah. one who killed him. Uh, this is the this is Batman Incorporated number twelve. Is this is the knockdown drag out fight between drugged up man bat batman questionable choice and 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 the damien killer drone he's um, got the armor <laughs> and the electricity it, and it's and so that was there was a there was an issue before this was the chris burnham issue where he wrote it right and then yeah but this is picking up from when they're all flying towards talia in the weird mask there's a lot of weird shit going I'm, on I'm, in this book. I'm i'm of a couple of minds about this issue because a it was really good uh that burnham got to do the whole thing uh, like he, he was just as Chris Burnham artist. It wasn't any fill in pages or anything like that. He got to do the whole thing and he right. got to do some really whacked out stuff. Every time Batman uh, punched his arm and, you know, punched in that like exoskeleton suit with sort of the double fist thing, I, right. I kept looking at it. And I was like, man, it's just fascinating. I, uh, and I really liked how it was just all rendered and it was done really well. I, I did, I started to have thoughts of like, if, uh, if this happened, if there's a continuity between <laughs> all these, no, not that, but if there's a continuity, <laughs> In this book and all the other Batman books, yeah, uh, it doesn't seem to be. You can't because think this, about that. This is like a really. I know that, but it, I know, I know. But if 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 all that stuff doesn't matter, then why do we have to have Damien die and everything? And they had to do this the the sad Requiem issues and the blah blah and just sure. all the angry Batman. So how come we only have to take the part of it that sucks? I, I don't know. It's just there's it's incongruous, which is fine. It's it's what happens. But I, I did think about it a little bit. The, 
one-headed baby head creep me out. It does, yeah. It does. It does reek of being like this weird mini maxi series thing that its own that it's its own thing, but then it has this baggage that has to be carried by some of the other books. And and they're I, not carrying all of it, so why carry any of it? Right. Well, so. I'm also I'm all, I'll admit freely to being completely lost whenever it's the meeting of all the other Batman Incorporated people. Right. So you've got like oh, Nightwing sure. and Tim Drake and, well, they are and too, I guess right? Jason Todd. But well, yeah, but like I just I don't I couldn't tell you for the life of me what those pages are forwarding in the plot. Like sure. I just don't know. And I the only things in this book I felt like I could follow were the really well done fight scenes. Um, and so, you know, Nightwing and Red Robin come in and help out Batman for a page, but then they're gone again and they're having a meeting with everybody else talking about stuff. Yeah, I like that where, where, where Tim's like, Dick, there's the guys with like skull faces. That That's usually a bad sign, right? And they're like, no, maybe they're on our side. I don't know. <laughs> and, but I don't know. I don't know either. No, I, and that's, well, you know, that's, that, yeah, that's, that's, I think that's a fair point. Um, Here's the thing. It's, I think, you know, it's still Batman Incorporated, which isn't actually necessary, but as it is the title. We have to refer to it from time to time, right. I guess. Right. Well, I what, well, what what do you guys think about the depiction of, of Batman? It, I, I I think it's it's I mean it's sort of the Frank Miller goddamn Batman thing. It's all it's, it's all star weird, Batman sort of. Well, it's a weird choice. He's very but, well. He's he's like roided up, right? Like he's yeah. And so he's it was, a, it was a weird choice when he did that a couple of months ago. Yes, it was. But they already made that, and I guess I I tend to, uh, especially with the Grant Morrison Batman, I tend to try to just go with it. Yeah, I mean it's uh, you know it's 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 an interesting story. It looks great. It's it's not necessarily. I don't think of that character as Batman. I was like, I think no. that is the Frank Miller Batman or the you know the All Star Batman, the one who's like lifting up Robin by the the scruff of his neck and 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 he's. <laughs> I did kind of enjoy where he he lands in a school bus, <laughs> and and is just raging with these kids screaming terrified behind him, and they do point out that he's like kind of out of his mind. And everyone's yeah. like, Bruce, what's going on? And, um, also, uh, that, that that weird baby head gets gets uh, loosed from the body that it's sitting on. Um, and there's some really powerful images. It was actually kind of mm-hmm. tricky narrowing down which ones to choose for best panels of the week. Um, I, had, I ultimately went with Batman on the bus and the severed head while Talia gets on the helicopter. You had, yeah, you had plenty of choices. And now it's it's all coming to a head. <laughs> and, then, and then she puts on a... A Batman suit, Batman suit, time. and and is going into the Batcave, and that. So I'm kind of excited. It looks to reminiscent see that. of the very old school Batwoman. Yes, it does. Costume. Yes, I thought of that. I thought that as which, well. Which I think Batman didn't they get married in the Golden Age at one point? So yes, kind of fits with his relationship with Talia, I suppose. I don't know. Silver Age. Yeah, I think I don't know. Yeah, that sounds that sounds more appropriate. Um, I think it's Golden Age, actually. It's Late such. A, Anyways. Superior Foes is Spider-Man number one, but Nick Spencer, Steve Lieber. What um, do you think? This was a lot of fun. You know what's interesting? I think that uh, I think Nick Spencer's been reading some Hawkeye. Yeah, I got that too. <laughs> with the word, with the way he played with the word balloons. Yeah, there's a you know a bit of that infographic kind of thing. It didn't always work. Um, there's a dog. Yeah, there's a, there's one that just totally didn't. It was it's it's on the page before the. Is this a sex thing? Um, the page before that, there's he's like watching the TV, and there's like an arrow to his face, and then his like his mugshot is supposed to be on the news, and it was very, it, like sort of awkwardly laid out. And oh, I, I didn't even notice that. It was it was just very odd, with just arrows and stuff, and it was like that's that's not a successful infographic. Um, but otherwise, this is this is a really fun idea for a book, and I like that it's so playful and silly. 
I was I was I was super impressed by this. Yeah. I there was a couple of things where I was like, this this feels a lot like if I got a chance to write a comic book. Like, <laughs> this is, there, I, there was a few like that. Why would it be a sex thing? And the way that that one hood guy turns and looks yes. at the other one, like just that bit of like Steve Lieber is an excellent artist, and the way that he just did the body language there, I was like, that is perfect. It's sort of That's- like the, it reminded me of the, the Klansman in uh, Django Unchained. That, yeah, that that awkwardness. Um, but yeah, I I love that moment. Um, I, this- I really like the scene in the pet shop where they rob the pet shop. <laughs> yeah. he just gets really frustrated by the little girl. I, mm. I thought that that sequence worked really well as it really. Uh, it crystallized for me a lot of like, okay, these guys are just really dumb villains. Well, I, I think when Marvel went, whenever their change was, their heroes, whatever, like the, their thing right now is really big, intense villains that are super bad. And this is one of those, like, it, it's just fun. Well, these are like, like the Flash rogues, basically. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and it, but like in a Marvel context, which feels a little bit different, uh, you know, they've, they've got their stupid outfits and the one, one guy's really afraid and uh, it worked for me the whole way through. I thought it was I thought it was a ton of fun. Yeah, like the shocker hiding like he's not hiding under the table, but he's they he's call him a coward. He's, he's taking money that people dropped. And yeah, that was. Well, I also like that the speedster character is really reluctant to actually use his super speed because it just he gets tired. He's not about traffic. In right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, he's like constantly out of breath and he's like, man, just because I go at super speed doesn't mean carrying things easier. Yeah, and, b- and before anybody writes in and says, like, I, I am accusing Spencer of stealing the idea of the Flash Rogues, I know that there was this, this is the Sinister Syndicate. They're being called the Sinister Six, even though there's five of them, which is kind of funny. But this this does go back to the, it's it's not called the Superior Foes of Spider-Man, but the something, the Sinister Foes of Spider-Man? Um, but the, but there have been these characters before, and and so, but I I, I like that they're bringing that back, and I'm 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 kind of looking forward to seeing the interaction between them and um, Doc Ock Spider Man. I hope folks read this because it was yeah. a lot of fun, and I I want to read more. I re- I really enjoyed it. Yeah, very fun. Um, I, I I'm still reading Green Arrow twenty two. <laughs> I'm still reading Green Arrow. I, I and I think I narrowed it down to it's better than the other DC books. <laughs> Now that that's that's a grain of salt, obviously, but I I'm still intrigued enough to keep reading it. Well, uh, our, our thesis is that it's not Oliver Queen. It's not the Oliver Queen that we know. Yeah, no, that yeah, that helps a lot. And that's not necessarily fan entitlement. It's just like this this character bears no similarities. None. And it's not just because he doesn't have the goatee. It's just like that's this, a huge part. Of it. it's, he's Iron Fist. That's what that's what this is. Yeah, yeah, that that is really what. That's the thesis, and I, I and I mention that every time we talk about this. So let's, moving on, Count Vertigo, kind of dope in this book. Yeah, Count Vertigo, usually a ridiculous character, um, but here they do some really cool things, and and uh, um, Sorrentino, he's um, getting yeah, he's he's doing this cool thing where he does the detail, like those inserts of the arrow flying or the impact or whatever, hitting, hitting the guy's jaw. And he does it here and he loses a tooth. Um, and, but the scene where Count Vertigo like is sort of coming into the picture and we don't know what it is yet, but Ollie's standing there and some of those frames, some of those panels are out of their housing, you know, like they're dislodged mm-hmm. and you pieces. see the white square. Yeah. Like puzzle pieces. And it's such a, it's such a inventive way to show disorientation and the whole like, because how do you how do you convey vertigo other than having like you know lines around a person's head or something? Or... I did also like his uh, two support people yes. um, yep. having made all the arrows for him, and they're kind of the one-upmanship. 
I usually find that kind of dialogue really frustrating, but in this, I thought it was just playful enough to work where, you know, they each have developed kinds of different kinds of arrows for him and, and Ollie's reactions to uh, the different kinds of arrows and how impressed he is by one versus the other. I, I enjoyed that. And I like, I like that him having somebody in a headpiece to talk to means that you don't have to have him just narrating it in narration Thank boxes. God. Yeah, that's a really good point. I absolutely agree with that. And, uh, I- yeah, you know, I think it's getting better. I, I think uh, Sorrentino, who's no slouch to begin with, is. I think these pages are getting better too. I think, I think we had a couple of issues with coloring in the first first one or two. Yes. I feel like those have been uh, uh, straightened up. Um, yeah, yeah they're doing some I, great stuff with color here, with especially with the Count Vertigo thing. Yeah, it was, and that page where like he discovers the dragon on the ground, and it's that big circular sort of thing, and the the dress or whatever is all splayed out. Just really, really yeah, nice. So, I'm, so at this stuff. point, at this point, I'm willing to just put the the character discrepancy behind me and just enjoy this for what it is. And yeah, yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's it's actually it's probably a top five DC book because it's not a lot to compete with. But I'm like, well, yeah, it's it's. I think it's definitely up there. Yeah, and it's getting better. So that's always that's always super fun. Um, <laughs> speaking of super fun, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to ifanboy.com slash Amazon. I want you to click on there and I want you to buy just everything you've been thinking about buying. <laughs> I don't want you to worry about paying for it. I want you to just put it on a credit card. That's going to come because what I've been told is that if you just hope for the best, it's going to work out. So stop waiting for those things. Again, ifanboy.com slash Amazon and I just go crazy at Amazon. We'll get a little piece of that insanity and you'll get all that stuff you want. You're going to want to sign up for Amazon Prime one thing because they can get there in two days or if you want to pay a little bit extra one day so it's going to help you in the short term it's going to help us in general uh and we're not responsible for what you do uh yeah it's great because when the guys come to repossess that you know jacuzzi that you got for your backyard with the plank so you could walk the plank mm -hmm. when they're repossessing that they're not taking the money back from us we still get I actually don't think money. that's true. I think I think you guys will lose your commissions for stuff that gets returned. So if if you hear the repo men coming, <laughs> what we need you to do is load up the van and just get the hell out of there. Because I think they've got to repossess it to get our stuff. Other than, other than that, that can't be our fault. Well, it's not Amazon coming to repossess the stuff. It's the creditors, right? Yeah, yeah. You know you can buy like a ton of sex toys on Amazon? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're going to want to erase that from your history or it's going to really skew your suggestions. Anyway. <laughs> Ryan, tell us about Fairest, number 17. <laughs> so are any of you guys reading this? No. No. It's crocodile hair. It's a great <laughs> yes, cover. No, uh, well, Adam Hughes has been killing it with all the coverage for yes. the series. But this is a Fables spinoff book. This is kind of the book that is replacing um, the Cinderella books that Chris Robertson was doing for a while. Mm -hmm. And this is a series of disparate arcs kind of covering the events of the quote-unquote fairest of the lands. So we had a Rapunzel story where it's Rapunzel in the Japanese fairy world, or fa fable world, which was awesome. And uh, this story, which is being written by Sean Williams and drawn by someone I'm not familiar with, um, who's being drawn by? Steven Sandowski is set in Indu, which is the Indian fable world, and it's about uh, what happened to Prince Charming after the war, after the war to overthrow the adversary. So we thought we thought he was gone. We thought he died in the explosion that destroyed one of the gates in and out of um, <clears throat> the homelands, but Prince Charming's back. He's a Maharaja in Indu, and he's uh, teaming up with 
local girls trying to save their village from demons and fighting crocodiles with scimitars. It's awesome. I love scimitars. Um, Avengers AI, number one, I wanted to mention briefly. Um, this is Sam Humphreys and Andre Lima Andrejo. Uh, I might be getting that, that pronunciation wrong, but um, really interesting. Um, Andre does kind of a I, – I, I, the first pages of his that I'd seen were like it was anthropomorphized animal people, like like lizard people and stuff. And so he did like a really great organic kind of arts and like the natural world. And so when I heard – that this same artist was going to be doing robot stuff and an entire Avengers team with like the vision and a doom bot. Um, and the kid from runaways who has robot powers and is like, yeah, I forgot about it. He's another son of Ultron. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's like sort of like visions half brother. And then that's sort of the interaction. And so, so seeing that it's, it's really kind of cool. And he's got kind of a, um, in his line, it's a little bit like Frank quietly. Um, and I likened it to the way, quietly drew like parasite in all-star superman and so to see robots like that and so to see like the vision like like spread out into a bunch of like nano robots is pretty cool um it adds like this extra dimension you don't have to draw robots the same way every time and do kind of like a i don't know transformers or you know evangelion kind of thing you can do something different and um that's what this was and this was a lot of fun too and it reminded me just how cool the vision is sort of like uh, the the Martian Manhunter of the Marvel Universe. He can like fly through stuff and um, just a really cool, fun, entertaining book. And uh, I am on board for this. Plus, Petulant Doombot. Yes, yes. It's... And I liked that they gave all the different robot characters different colored word balloons, which makes it a lot easier to keep track of who's saying what when. It is really that was a very subtle, didn't distract, but was a kept everything clear. Yeah, and a great great showcase for for Hank Pym too. Hank Pym like in an interrogation room like hitting at like a a false fingertip to activate his whatever pym particles to become giant man i think um, we're in a hank pym renaissance right now they're they're going for that i don't know how successful it's going to be but uh this is fun contained in this um are you reading abe i assume you're reading abe sapien yes number four mm-hmm this is this has been the one that was weird. It was weird, yeah. But I think they they think they pulled it around with this one. Yeah, and I I really dug. Basically, if you're reading the BPRD books, uh, it's gone to hell. It's called hell on earth. <laughs> uh, the 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 monsters have taken over. Everybody's turned into monsters. It's all crazy. And the thing that was cool about this was that we met these people who flock to the like site of these big crazy monster eggs who worship them and are weird. And Abe just sort of ends up at a campfire with a bunch of uh, zealots. And, and they just kind of have a conversation. There's other stuff that happens. So that was sort of the most intriguing part of it. And, uh, I, you know, I mean, my only criticism would be, criticism would be like, like okay, oh, we, we got to get moving with this Abe thing. Because I feel like he got yeah. put into a coma like two years ago. And he's like, which, by the way, this is par for the Hellboy course. So I can't really say I wasn't expected. It is right, yeah. I I, I agree with all of those, um, but I, I love the new Abe Sapien design. Like I like that he's sort of going through that Hank McCoy kind of yeah. second mutation thing. That's pretty. He cool. really doesn't want to be a frog, but you know what, guys? I think he's a frog. I think he is. Okay. Um. Uh. Charles Soule took over. Uh. From Daniel Way as uh, writer of Thunderbolts number twelve. This one was uh, drawn by Steve Dillon, uh, and it's basically a Punisher story. Um. I don't. I've been following the Thunderbolts. It's a weird team. Um. It was pretty good. That's, Some good Steve Dillon in there. Yeah, I, I, I hadn't been reading any of this. This was, yeah. this was my first issue of the Thunderbolts, and I mean, this was great. This I, I was amazed this wasn't a Max book. 
Yeah, no, it's 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 pretty good. I think that I think Steve, I think he got a little raped on the colors. That was that was harsh, but I don't think the colors weren't so great. Um, but besides that, I uh, it, it was fun, and it, like if you like the only place you've been able to read Steve Dillon uh, has been with Daniel Way for a while. I think so. I, I think it's cool to see something else, and uh, you know Charles has been doing really good work on stuff. I don't know if you've noticed, but he went from a guy that most people didn't know to a guy who's on like four ongoing books from Marvel and DC. Yeah, Swamp Thing came out this week too, and uh, yeah. Whiskey Tree. That's that's all I have to say about that. That was awesome. I I, I actually want to mention Swamp Thing really quick. Uh, Go for it. Uh, Swamp Thing twenty two. Uh, he brought Constantine into that, and that my friend was actual Constantine, not new Constantine. And you, I was I was curious about that. I didn't know if if you would you know dig on it or not. And yeah, well, it's, I read it. I read it. I read it professionally. I know that I said, you know, I'm not going to go get the series or anything, but uh, <laughs> it felt like him. I, I think uh, there was a couple of points where I think he, he had the dialogue really well down for a bit. There's a couple of times he went a little, um, a little more South London than Liverpool. <laughs> um, but other than that, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, it's also kind of tough to gauge because he's under the influence. Yeah, but he looked so... like he looked like ratty old Vertigo Constantine. So I was, I was and there's a tree that grows whiskey. Yeah, there's that too. I think, well, I, and I think those two characters together are very exactly. Sick. Like, it does not feel unnatural to see him standing there with sure. Swamp Thing and to have Constantine be in that universe for that purpose. I get that. I would be cool with that. I would be fine with all of this if they hadn't canceled the book that I like. All right, so Ryan, final plague, lots of rats. Yeah, this is a new series from Action Lab, and it's a mature reader's book. It's it feels like it's building to be a zombie book, but right now it's just rats. And it's written by J.D. Uh, Arnold. and uh, I want an that on a cover. It feels like it's <laughs> well, building to be a zombie book, but right now it's just rats. Ryan, how's that fanboy? <laughs> I would accept that plug. And the, uh, the artist is Guilliardi Brown. I hope I'm saying that right. But I don't basically, I guarantee you're not. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, but the art is beautiful. The art has kind of like a, I would say, watercolor There's Riley watercolor. Rosmo feel. You know what it, it looks like? It looks like they they were he was doing watercolors and then he used like the 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 drip cup, like all the dirty color, and then used that for all the rats and everything. Yeah. Because when we say watercolor, you usually think like kind of pastel kind of colors. No. And <laughs> very bloody. soft and this is yeah this is very brackish looking. Right. It's a, so it's there's a good got two. There's kind of two stories happening right now. There's this farm in Iowa that's getting overrun with these crazy, rabid, giant rats. And then there's a lab in uh, on the eastern seaboard that's doing some experience, uh, experiments with viruses, avian flu, and the like. That's also working with rats. And it just seems like something is, is building where um, these rats are going to be causing some pretty serious problems. It has like a 28 Days Later sort of feel to it right now. And I'd be curious to – very curious to see where it goes. I like that there's a warning on the front that's like it, it, it contains explicit content dealing with rats, farms. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's graphic depictions of farms. Of farms, yeah. People want to know. Secret of Nim bothered you. Uh, just, just stay away. So those were the books that we found uh, interesting this week. Let's take a look at what you thought over in the user review section and the top five picks of the week. Number five, Sonic the Hedgehog, number 250, got 5.3% of your pick of the week vote. At number four, Green Arrow, number 22 at 9.2%. Number three, Batman Incorporated, number 12 at 10.3%. Number two, The Private Eye, number three, 11.1%. And number one, The Superior Foes of Spider-Man, number one, with a crazy but believable 41.1%. That's so that's really? huge. I had no idea. I hadn't looked at that before now. That's yeah. Just- Huh? So and no one and no one like your book. No one like my book. But, I, th- uh, I think I think I might have picked your book. Yeah, 
Yeah, or I might have picked the Spider-Man one because I just didn't expect it. You know, I, no, I, I probably would have picked your book. I thought the Runaways would be, you know, like Private Eye and Batman Incorporated. Um, yeah. I was not expecting Sonic the Hedgehog or, uh, you know, I, I figured people would dig Superior's Foes of Spider-Man, but uh, that's a big percentage. Um, Ryan, let's take a look at the first user review. Yeah, so you can write a user review, and since you know, we like to have other people talk about stuff besides just us, this one comes from Mike and Zod 21 who reviews Green Lantern 22. Gives the story a 2 out of 5, and the art a 3 out of 5. Pick of the week percentage is 0.1%. Uh, when Jeff Johns ended his run, the Green Lantern books were primed and ready for a fresh new direction, complete with all new creative teams. What I fear we are seeing, however, is the oppressive hand of DC editorial overlords. With the second issue, I can't help but think that there is some someone going over Robert Venditti's scripts, whispering in his ear, just do what Jeff did. The story feels like a retread of several of John's stories dealing yet again with more lanterns of various colors attacking Oa and a prisoner escaping from the science cells. I know Venditti has the potential to be a great writer from his past works, but this just doesn't have that same spark. And I did read this. Are you, do you guys bother? Oh, I, you know, we, we, I think we talked about it last week that if there was, you know, wanting a tonal shift in anything, I th- came up with the Green Lantern books because it's been, you know, this way under under Jeff Johns for so long. You know, what's funny is that before Jeff Johns took over, we used to like a long time ago, people used to ask us what needed to be revamped. And we always said Green Lantern. And then it was revamped. And then they just drove it into the ground yeah. for years uh, and and now it needs it again. And I'll say this, the same thing that you know, that the the Green Lantern that Darwin Cook wrote in a New Frontier. That's that was the way. That was that was. I still want to see more of that. Yeah, kind of that a little. I but mean, uh, I, there's so many other ways, you, so many other things you can do. But just and and the problem is that Jeff Johns didn't just shape the way this book worked, but also Green Lantern Corps and all these other related the, titles. And the reason that they can't change it though, right? Is because there are there are going to be six Green Lantern books, so you know they they have too much going. I mean, of course they're saying just do what Jeff did, or at least you know the, stick with that thing. That formula's worked pretty well for him, I guess. So. And this is even though this wasn't in the top five, this is still a, a very highly yeah picked book on our site. Um, well, I didn't I didn't think it. this was a bad issue. I actually kind of disagree with Mike and Zod Twenty One. Oh, I okay. enjoyed it. I, Had you, you been know, reading it? I read uh, I, I read the first Vendity issue. I think this is only his second issue. Yeah, 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 that's right. Um, yeah, I thought this was fine. Like the there's some new recruits who are seemingly very young and completely terrified to be Green Lanterns, which is kind of an interesting twist. And you know, it dealt with uh, it dealt with Larflees in two issues, and now we're moving on to a different uh, escaped convict from the science cells and how Jordan creates a Green Lantern construct A10 warthog plane. And yeah, I don't know. I dug it. I had fun. That's that's the that's the point of things. So it's good to go. That's all. That's no, all I think with with comics, are we supposed to have fun still? Is that they can? Oh, we got rid of that. That's not what we're saying. All right. DC, so DC's doing their best. Invasion Force set of Earth Two number fourteen story four out of five art four out of five pick of the week percentage one percent. Evidently, James Robinson's efforts on this comic did not fit into DC editorial's grand. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of mm. lot of conversation about DC editorial, uh, DC editorial's grand plans for their universe. So Robinson felt obliged to go. Uh, it is hard to imagine, though, that what DC is planning could be anywhere near as entertaining as what Mr. Robinson was accomplishing on this title. I'm mostly a Marvel reader who was taken by Robinson's reimagining of this corner of the DC universe. For instance, I love what he did with the character of the Green Lantern. How do I love Nicola Scott's pencils? Let me count the ways. Actually, I suspect that the elements of her work that I love are too numerous to mention, but I'll refer to a few. 
Damn, girl, you draw the hero so sexy. Scott has one of the best eyes for anatomy in the comic industry. And yes, I chose that review so I could say, damn, girl. <laughs> and I'm never going to do that again. I don't believe that. I think you're going to take that clip and it's going to be your text tone. <laughs> it's going to be mine. I can tell you that much. Um, yeah, it's it's too bad to watch somebody else get snuffed out again. I don't. I don't even want to be too... Well, I mean, that's what's happening. We all know. It's, it's anyway, <laughs> so those are uh, your reviews. If you read your books, you go through to ifmo.com slash comics. You can uh, pick your books and rate them and write a review. And if you get them up uh, early enough and, and, and they're a book that we aren't talking about somewhere else, then you got a pretty good shot at getting on the show. So please keep those up. Uh, we feel like they help. They add to the show. And Damn, so thank you. girl. You liar is what you are. Uh, next up, we're going to uh, get, take a shot at, at an audience question or two. Uh, see how we're doing. Dave from upstate New York means prison, I'm pretty sure. Uh, is there any particular creator or work that you previously dismissed that you now dig or one that you liked and now have difficulty de- defending a cr- from a critic craft standpoint? That's a great question. I it will is. not go first. I talk a lot. Okay. Um, an artist that I didn't get when I first you know, encountered the work, uh, Quapel on Thor. Um, I've, I remember back on the forums, me and Connor talking about how his Thor looked like a big chicken, um, like big thunder thighs, uh, which I guess are appropriate for a thunder god. But um, since then, uh, become one of my favorite artists. That's uh, it's interesting that you mention him because one of the people I no longer feel like I can defend, who I did like when I was first getting into comics, is the writer of that same series, J. Michael Straczynski. Yeah, but a lot of times he'll start and then. But that's well, but, think, but but is that a, is, I think the question is saying is that is that a oh okay why? it's just it's just I'm, a change it's just a sea change okay uh, I well I liked I I liked his Amazing Spider-Man run at the beginning and I, I did too it, looking looking back on it I I would have a hard time defending it uh, from a critic craft standpoint I think I was just new to comics I was really enjoying John Romita Jr.'s art on Spider-Man I think he does a fantastic Spider-Man and I just I wasn't in the comics world and scene like I am now. So that book really struck me as something new and different. And now in hindsight, I'm like, Oh, that actually wasn't very good. Well, let's, let's, all right, let's, let's talk about J. Michael Straczynski. Oh, no, I actually used to be a fan. The okay. first time I ever heard of him, uh, was when, uh, rising stars came out. Right. And I really liked it. I, I was, I was new at that point and never read anything like it, but it did the same thing. Like it started to disappear, and then like every time it came back, it was less interesting than it was before. And then it kind of when it did finally end, he finished it. But it wasn't it wasn't great. And then you know, for me, uh, the more I read it, the more I it's very, I find his writing to be very heavy handed. Yes, and I find it to be uh, he moralizes a lot, which yeah. bugs me. Although I will say I'm enjoying Ten Grand more than I ever thought that I would another JMS book. But mm-hmm. um, the, the moralizing is I feel very heavy handed and draws me out of the story. Uh, because and I feel I, like and, I'm being lectured and, it, and preached at. And at this point, like I just like I can't even be subjective about it because I see it. And as soon as I see it, it starts. It's like it's like there's if you have a really close friend or something and you, you know them really well and they they do something that irritates you and it's never not going to irritate you because that's just what they're doing. It's not it's not objectively bad. It's just a thing that I don't I don't like. Um, well, there's there's another and, writer I can think of, Josh, that I know you and I both enjoyed some of his older work and probably maybe haven't enjoyed more recently, and that'd be Paul Jenkins. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting you say that. I, I think uh, – I, I can't remember. I actually haven't read most of his Hellblazer stuff, which apparently was the sort of early stuff that was, that's supposed to be pretty good. I haven't read it. Um, but for a while, like specifically when he did Inhumans, uh, which brings me to mine, um, 
you know, I, I thought was great stuff. And since then, it's just it's gotten. I don't even. I, I don't even get it uh, anymore. Well, I'll come straight out and say that the original Marvel Knights Century book I thought was interesting and different and good. And yes. as a concept, it worked as a single story. And by the end of the century's arc, we had the the funeral issue that Paul Jenkins also wrote. And I'm just like, I, I don't even know what this is. Yeah, I, I think that that was a failure, but it was at least an interesting failure. Josh, didn't, this, you, this entry. didn't you not like Isad Rubik at the beginning? Yeah, yeah, that's one. That's one. I didn't, I didn't love him on like the Ultimates or whatever. I think I just wasn't reading stuff that he did. But now that, that he's on Thor, I've definitely come around. I think it's excellent. Um, not to my call big, you out on anything. <laughs> that's fine. No, I, my big one would be Jay Lee. Okay. I used to think that Jay Lee was the, the bee's knees, and I used to like anything he drew. Um, I was I was down with it, and I loved it. And now I find it extremely cold, and it doesn't do very much for me at all. It's interesting, I guess, from a graphic standpoint, but not very much from a comic book storytelling standpoint. And I don't I can see that like it anymore. I used to love it, and now I don't like it, which I, I think is pretty interesting. Uh, to go the other way, uh, this well, is I, wait, a, I have one more for the current vein because it's this is the first one that came to mind, and it's Jeff Johns. I, I really loved Je- everything Jeff Johns was doing for a long time. And then uh, as we were kind of gearing up towards the new 52, his, yeah. his work just lessened for me somehow. And I think, I think it was even um, before that. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was waning, but I, I you know, this is one of those, I got to pull my, as a scientist card, there's so many moments in a Jeff Johns book where um, I read something and I'm like, dude, a Google search would have told you that that was wrong, let alone actually asking a scientist and I know that that's something you have to accept in comics, but it, when it's not even a story point, it just comes across as incredibly lazy, and I get frustrated, and it takes me out of the book. And was so that the now Copperhead I just, fight, the the thing with there's been ears. more than that. I mean, he mentioned in the first uh, first couple of issues of Aquaman, they talk about going into the trench at the Mid Atlantic Ridge, and you know, even just from a definition standpoint, a ridge and a trench <laughs> are <laughs> opposite things; they're not the same thing. So I was frustrated as a reader. I and I actually put that, on, I put that on a test that I gave to students. I said, what's wrong with what the marine biologist and Aquaman is saying right now? <laughs> they had to answer it for credit. Professor Haupt is weird. <laughs> I know. What was with that? He's like a nerd, right? Yeah, I know. Totally. Yeah, totally a nerd. Um, you know what's funny about John's is that I didn't used to like him. Then I did. And now I'm, now I'm not interested in the work he's doing. Right. Um, I don't know why. I can't tell you what that is because he definitely has something that nobody else has, and I just feel like he he's been a little aimless in his work. Um, uh, just very quickly, just going going back to the question, or, or one uh, one that you liked and now have difficulty defending from a critic craft standpoint. And I my reading of that was sort of like a guilty pleasure sort of thing. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be, but um, an artist that I love but I can't always defend. Uh, Herge, <laughs> you know, uh, some, 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 some casual <laughs> racism. Um, yeah, that's, yeah. so that, that's a problem. Um, and I don't, I don't defend any of that. Um, and yet Tintin has a lot of other things going for it and is very important, not just for my comic reading, but just in well, what things I'm interested in. <laughs> unlike, unlike somebody like Orson Scott Card, you could say that there is at least a cultural time Ex- not not ex- not excuse. There's but. no yeah. It's it's you know it's a, it's a it's a very difficult yeah thing to even describe. But okay, I want I want to stop talking about things we don't like anymore. Yeah, and and I I know that there's people uh we can we can go let's let's go out on on the stuff that we didn't used to like that we came around on and for me yeah, I got, oh, go 
you know, the, the big ones, I've got, I've got a few, but you know, the big ones are just artists from, from earlier eras. I mean, you know, the biggest one would be Jack Kirby when I was younger, you know, mm. when we, even when we first started doing iFanboy, I didn't get it. And now, you know, Kirby is God. Kirby is to, you know, Kirby is to comic books, what Eric Clapton is to rock guitar, uh, you know, more so than that. He's, he's like Clapton, Elvis and the Beatles and everything all, all at once. Um, and, and I see that now and I know about it and I, I want to slap the snot out of the younger version of me who was like, oh, it's blocky. I don't, I don't know. Uh, same, same way. I didn't used to like Sienkiewicz at all. I didn't get it at all. And now every time that, you know, I see just a, a splash of ink that that guy does, I'm like, that's gorgeous. Look at that thing. That's amazing. Uh, I would, I could say the same thing for, uh, for Ennis and Dylan on Preacher. I was going to say Garth Ennis. Yeah, I avoided I Preacher for a very long time because I thought that like, that's, that's just going to be like vulgar and, you know, like, sh- like shock for shock's sake. And, um, it is kind of vulgar throughout, but, uh, <laughs> I get that's, that's more a change in me. <laughs> it's like, it's um, artful like when I, when I saw that cover with, you know, Arse face on it, I was like, that is nothing that I am remotely interested in. And it is my favorite, you know, self-contained comic book run you know like it's my favorite thing and um i love and i i enjoy both ennis and and dylan now um so that's that's mine yeah Uh, ennis was the main one i came up with too and i i think um something that i dismissed initially but now enjoy quite a bit um when somebody first told me the concept of fables i thought that was really dumb sorry bill but then they actually gave me the book, and I read it, and I was like, "Oh, this is not dumb. This is actually interesting." I, I did that. I I got on Fables and I dropped it, and then I came back. Yeah. Then I dropped it. <laughs> but <laughs> but still, but for you know, as far as like this person, they were a good friend, and they just described the idea behind Fables, and they might, they I think they just went into too much detail, which <laughs> that can do. Oh, don't um, ever talk to me about Doctor Who. I don't want to. <laughs> but that was that was the concept of fables from hearing it from that friend was something i dismissed but then that same friend gave me the books so wibbly wobbly i don't don't know what does that mean (laughs) the worst thing that never happened to doctor who was doctor who fans (laughs) (laughs) send your letters to paul at ifanboy.com he didn't say it but i don't want to deal with it he likes doctor who so it's fine i do like doctor who he was Um, like i like it fine back off so we have another question from Blake from Chicago who writes, I was wondering if any of you have any favorite story arcs or character ideas that you wish had been explored further or gone a different direction, which uh, didn't either due to editorial mandate like event tie-ins or another creative reason. For example, in the Fraction Iron Man run, I wish they had explored the implications of Tony Stark becoming a fully post-human cyborg and what that would mean for his self-perception and worldview, as well as the fact that he was indebted to Reed Richards to help him create the Bleeding Edge armor. Do you have any that spring to mind? Uh, the New 52 did a lot of interesting things to uh, storylines that I liked. Um, things like, I think, when you when you get into this question, you think about the character and maybe what costume they were wearing at a certain time and maybe stopped wearing. Um, so so switches in, in who was the superhero, like, like, like when Bart Allen was the Flash. I thought that was kind of interesting. It didn't last too long. And I think we could... There could have been more of that. There was um, also Wally West kids. I we I thought of that as well. Action. There was more than enough of that. If there's no one's like bring that back. Yeah, no one. <laughs> Actually, I don't think Wally anyone. Wally West. Wally West. Wally West is a good answer. I think people are are into the Wally West. Um, Dick. The, I think I, Dick Dick Grayson's Batman didn't last nearly as long as it could. I, that's have. a that's a perfect example, and it's it's one of the it's one of the reasons that and this is kind of this is 
this is sacrilege to a certain and I'm always I've always left a little a little tiny bit in the cold by the current Batman is that I was really enjoying that uh, Snyder jock Dick Grayson's Batman story and it was just in detective yeah yeah I am um, uh, I mean I I love the new Batman stuff I've been enjoying it throughout um but yeah I do wish that he'd gotten to continue that for a year two years longer I mean let that let that run because those relationships were great with Dick and Alfred and 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 Dick and Damien um and it's a, it was a different flavor of Batman and uh I I really enjoyed that a lot so and and you know the one everyone you know Stephanie Brown is Batgirl I could always do with more of that um and I just just to see Stephanie at all would be great um mm-hmm. I love that character and I love the way Brian Q Miller wrote her that's that's the big thing I, I in a, in a in a couple of months we'll say four <laughs> I think that'll be the, the three fours that'll be the answer that's your future answer for this one sure yeah well, I'm keeping it in the batman universe a book that i would have liked to have seen explored further and was ruined because of editorial tie-ins might have to be gotham central as the pinnacle of uh, that uh, problem oh the ending yeah because that's yeah. not that's not a natural conclusion to that that's uh nope it was actually a supernatural conclusion. Right. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah, that was kind was. of the problem. Didn't fit along with anything. That's no. that's a great answer. I think, and I also think that a lot of the Wildstorm characters that have been introduced into the well, DC proper with the new fifty two have been completely squandered. You you just actually Wildcats three point mm. That was a story that just ended and and he was gonna go so many more interesting places. Uh and and that just pff, gone. Um yeah. I don't Malcolm, think Malcolm, when they combined all the DC and Marvel characters together, I think we could <laughs> I think that could keep going. I'd like to ex- explore that world a little. Pronounce Amalgam. I'm pretty sure I had enough of that. I don't think you can answer this question without uh, without bringing up the Sopranos because every one of the. Sorry, no, I, I know it's not related. But Richie Aprile, well, the- Ralph, Furio, all of those stories just cut off. And you can also do uh, do this with relationships. That that a lot of times those are the threads that get just abandoned. So. Um, things like Stargirl and Captain Marvel, or Shazam, as he's now known. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of a, like a weird. Well, I was also thinking about when uh, when Starman and Captain Marvel teamed up in James Robinson's book. Mm. That kind of came out of nowhere, and it didn't it didn't mess up the world James Robinson was exploring in any way. But it did take the book in a different direction for a few issues, obviously because of some larger tie-in. That when you're just reading Starman, it comes out of left field, doesn't really make any sense, and then yeah, it's gone. That, that sort of grabs your nuts on the whole story and just yanks. All right, come on. Okay, it's over. Here's one. How about how about uh, the, the status quo in Paul Dini's Detective Comics when you do those episodic sort of mysteries? And the, the through line would be the Riddler as a, a kind of detective, a, a very interesting relationship between yeah. Batman and the Riddler. And also in that run, uh, I liked Batman and Zatanna together. Yeah, yeah. I like that too. That's always an interesting combination um i think new krypton is a really interesting concept and it started off really strong i actually really like that idea and it just kind of went nowhere and they had to and they had to erase it that was the thing they had to blow everything up and i wish that that could be just a continuing status quo kind of thing remember when starfire was buddy baker's babysitter very briefly yeah sort of the atom that's a cool idea okay all right that's that's many answers to your yes it is if uh, you have any emails you'd like to send us, any questions, uh, you can send those to contact at ifanboy.com uh, or a voicemail at one eight 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 fanboys That's 326-2697. We also have other podcasts. Go look for them. Uh, <laughs> check out ifanboy.com for the pick of the week review and more in-depth comic book 
commentary and all the important news and discussion topics, go to ifanboy.com slash about to see the staff of ifanboy and their social network links. Follow us on twitter.com slash ifanboy and stay in touch on facebook.com slash ifanboy. You can email us at contact at ifanboy.com or leave a voicemail at one eight 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 fanboys 326 with any questions, comments, concerns, discussion topics, etc. If you like us, then what we're going to need is your help. You need to take your iTunes. You got to go in there. You find the iFanboy. You're going to type up a little, uh, little review. Listen, I'm not going to lie. I hope it's a positive review. But that's up to you. This is a free country, presumably. Also, if there are things that you see that you like, say, on the website, um, you want to put those up on, on your Twitters and your Facebooks, uh, if you want to throw things around you think you might enjoy, that is always a huge help to us. Uh, if you can help spread the word, uh, you are our marketing and advertising department, it turns out, and the pay is crap. So you'll have to deal with that. Uh, but we, thanks we very much. Swear, we that. swear he's used the internet before. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that is it for this week's show. Uh, we hope that you're healing well from all of your sparkler-related injuries. Let's uh, let's let's give uh, uh, Ryan his plug. Yeah, it's the only reason I'm here. Yeah, like, let's <laughs> get get it over with, sort of. What do you do, Ryan? <laughs> I do science on the weekdays, and on the weekend evenings, I do a podcast called Science Sort of. It's a show about things that are science, things that are sort of science, and things that wish they were science. If you want to learn something about science it's a show that you might enjoy maybe i like how you say do science the way that pat robertson says do sex yeah well you know it's, it's not dissimilar what are you doing um, doing science it's, you know it's, it's, on, like, it's on itunes it's in a different section of the itunes so once you're done writing your uh, ifanboy review just go to the science and medicine section and it's probably higher placed than ifanboy is in the culture or whatever section they're in oh it's, it's, it's just like beekman's world without the guy in the rat suit yeah. Um, so you Listen, Josh, these boots fit great, and I did a really long hike in them yesterday, and I'm loving them. Yeah, I could use a new pair of boots, from being honest. So until next week, keep cool. I'm Paul. I'm Ryan. And I am Josh Flanagan. Thank you for your patronage.